As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Want an easy way to stay up to date with the latest news and trends in the NBA? Listen to the NBA Daily Ding podcast Monday through Friday. Wake up and turn up the NBA Daily Ding to stay informed on all things NBA here at The Athletic and wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to The Athletic NBA Show Monday through Friday on The Athletic Podcast Network. This is Nerdish You Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo Dekeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Partnow. I think we're live, guys. (laughs) We are live. Are we? (laughs) Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. It's Friday. Actually, Friday. We're recording on Friday live. I'm Dave DeFore. That's Mo DeKeel. That's Seth Partnow. And this is Dirty Welcome. What's up, guys? I, I wish Seth had a different move than mine after I waved. I wish he had done something. Just completely copied me. Didn't, didn't really come up with anything original there, Seth. Well, you just kind of sprung it on me. I didn't have time to work on my, you know, my 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 intro move. What do you want me to do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're live now, Well, Dave. Um, guys, nothing big <laughs> happening in the NBA. You know, it's just the playoffs. No big deal. I, I thought it was like the uh, Premier League. About I that? thought the standings was the championship, and that was it. We're done. <laughs> Three points for a win. Um, what have you guys thought about the playing game so far? You know, before we jump into the Eastern Conference playoffs, it's, it's fun. It's fun. I mean, the games may not have been all that great. I mean, the Lakers Warriors game was insane, right? I think we can all agree about that. But like, and even Memphis San Antonio was a good game, but. Yeah, the Eastern Conference not so great. Had a few blowouts, but it's been it's been great. Like, there's never going to be a guarantee we're going to get good games out of this. Yeah, what and it's it, no, and and you know we don't. There there are actually more blowouts in the playoffs than in the regular season anyway. So it's not terribly surprising that some of these games have been, you know, uh, beatdowns because you know your season's on the line. So your starters will play even if you're up 25. So it's not terribly surprising. It is the, how meekly the Pacers went out last night was a little bit surprising, but oh well. Yeah. I mean, the Warriors Lakers game was, was pretty awesome. I mean, that's just, Dumb luck for the league, and, and yeah, there's a lot of fun. How to often watch. are we going to have two former MVPs? One that's going to finish in the top three, be in the playing game. <laughs> yeah, 
uh, yeah, it's pre- pretty incredible uh, luck there. All right, well, let's jump into the playoffs because that's why we're here. And um, it's what we've really all been waiting for. So uh, the first first series I guess we're going to talk about is, to me, the most intriguing series, guys. And, and you know, you know I'm very serious about this because I love the Washington Wizards so much. And I just believe in this team. Uh, Philly is minus 1,000 to win this series over at BetMGM. The Wizards are plus 650. Uh, Joel Embiid is just unguardable for the for the Wizards, I think. And uh, Bradley Beal's not healthy. So this one's probably a sweep. That's how I feel. What about you guys? I mean, I, I just don't see any chance that the Wizards can even steal a game. Frankly, the most interesting part of this series is – if at any point the Wizards stop starting Alice, Alex Lynn and actually start, you know, their best center, actually, actually start Daniel Gafford at one point this series, um, I, I think that's that's the biggest intrigue that this series holds for me. And I, and I agree, it's I think it's I think it's a sweep. I think it's uh, a comfortable Philly win. I I think I'm going to put all my money on Washington so I can actually buy this house. <laughs> that is the background, by the way, folks. I do not actually have this house. It was in the chat. I had to bring it. This is not my actual house. Um, no, Washington doesn't have much of a chance. I think the problems for Washington is their bigs aren't the type of bigs you'd want to go at Embiid or make him have to actually defend. Like posting up Robin Lopez versus Joel Embiid. Philly's okay with that. It's not so they don't have anybody that's going to spread the floor and make him beat have to get out on the perimeter and, and worry about that. So I think this, this is going to be maybe excitement here and there, but I think it's going to be a uh, pretty easy series for Sixers. How about Ben Simmons? Do you guys think that this is a series that Ben Simmons can excel in or, or do you feel like it's such a nothing series that we can't take anything away from it? This is going to be a, a, a good series for him in the sense of like he's going to have to either guard Russell Westbrook or Bradley Beal, probably Bradley Beal to start. And also they're they're so Wizards are so banged up. I think it's it's kind of an issue, too. But, you know, for him, it'll be a good way to get him going in the, the defensive juices situation and, and watch kind of you almost want him to attack the way Russell Westbrook does aggressively. And I think you kind of hope maybe he sees Westbrook do it a few times and goes like, Oh, I, I should probably do that a little more. Yeah. That's well, always I mean, the- Westbrook was bad the other day. And I mean, Seth, this is a guy that we've been talking about down the stretch. They don't make the playoffs. If Russ didn't play as well as he did down the stretch. I mean, he, he really was great for them. And, and we saw that he was pretty awful in that game against Boston. He's going to have to show up in a way that, I mean, he obviously didn't in that game, but I just don't know if he can be efficient enough to matter in, in a series against Philly. Their defense is just so good. Yeah, and I think that the the thing that's that's really going to be hurtful there is he's going to try to get to the basketball. He's going to get there. He's going to throw up some wild shots. And for Philly, who is not a great half court offensive team, like those turning into fast breaks the other way is is just going to be. You know, Russ is a really interesting player because he brings a lot to the table, but takes a lot off the table. And the things he takes off the table are going to be sort of almost exacerbated, given how important getting those easy buckets and transition is going to be to Philly. Yeah. Uh, so you guys with me on the sweep? Is is that kind of where we're at? Maybe they get a game, but I don't know if it's going to be anything that's too threatening for Philly. If, Bill, well, if hey, Beal was healthy – if I was, I was going to say, if Beal was healthy, I could see him like him going for 45 and them stealing one. But with him 
you know, banged up. And I, I frankly wouldn't be especially surprised if he ends up exiting the series early because, you know, that's sort of what happens with hamstrings is they're fine until yeah. they're not. And if they go down 3-0, there's just no point in playing that that game and risking it. Uh, I do. I, I want to say I want to give him some credit for playing through this because this is what – I mean, if you want to make the playoffs and you're on a team that doesn't have a ton of talent – this is what it takes. Your stars have to be able to do this and play through a hamstring. And that's tough as nails. And it honestly, like, makes me think more of him as a player because he's he wants to do this so badly. So it's kind of a bummer. And I just don't see how they can steal a game with Beal, you know, dealing with this hamstring issue at all. All right. So we move on to the next series. I think that we've uh I think that's it. I think we're good. See you guys. Three just- minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, all right. So this one's a, a slightly more interesting and and obviously not as interesting as it could have been, you know, maybe if we would have thought we would have gotten this series two months ago. You know, Jalen Brown is out. So Boston really going into this series against Brooklyn, they're hurting. Uh, we already knew that they were hurting without Gordon Hayward all year. Like that was a guy that they missed big time right away. We saw it. They sort of found their their way a little bit with Jalen Brown picking up more of an offensive load. They've never figured out their center rotation. And right now, to me, their best center, Robert Williams, is dealing with this turf toe issue. So, um, you know, they they surprised me with that game against the Wizards. And I thought Jason Tatum was spectacular. But once again, we're dealing with a talent disparity. And Mo, I just don't know that Boston has the bodies to be able to hang with Brooklyn. No, and you know what? Even when they've been healthy, you know, they they weren't able to hang with Brooklyn all that much this season. I think it's it's become a problem for them. I it's tough. Jason Tatum's gonna be have to be really looking not just like an MVP type candidate, but he has to look like an MVP for them to to really win games in this series and threaten the Nets. It's going to be a very tough series, and you know. Look, even in the playing game, they won. They didn't get a great game from everybody else. It was Tatum going for 50, Walker dropping, I think, around 22. And then their third best scorer was Tristan Thompson with 12 points. That's not going to get it done against the Nets. I mean, Seth, before we started recording, you said that for Boston to even steal a game, they're going to need Jason Tatum to play like a top three player in the league. What does Kimba Walker need to play like for them to steal a game? I mean, he certainly needs to, you know, win the battle with with Kyrie. Um, but the, the 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 hard part for them is 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 who are the other guys who? Okay, one of those guys gets it going, and and Brooklyn starts rolling, you know, more coverage towards them. Who are the other guys on Boston who are going to be able to make shots to you know take advantage of that? And that's, I mean, that's really where where it, you know. As much as the star power faces favors Brooklyn, like there's not even you know there's not even a Landry Shamit on the Celtics who who can who is who can get hot and 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 you know swing a game by by banging a bunch of threes. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past too many guys. It would be a collective thing for Boston. It wouldn't just be one guy. But if you look at the stats for the last 15 games, and here it is, me giving stats to Seth, which is always going to be awkward because two minutes later he goes like, you have no idea what you're talking about. Get out of my domain. You know, Fournier in the last 15 games shooting almost 46% from three on six attempts. You know, Aaron Neesmith, we – Listen, Boston fans, y'all need to chill out, man. Like just having a couple of weeks is not taking the leap, right? Like a couple of good weeks is great, but not not necessarily a leap. We need to see it in a longer view. But 
good run for him. 45% from three, just under three, uh, three attempts a game. It's going to be look. Kemba's shooting lights out, but that's one of the guys we think if he gets hot, the coverage has got to roll. It's where it gets worrisome is Marcus Smart, right? Because he's going to think he's hot, and he might think he's hot for the last fifteen games. He's only shot twenty four percent over the last sixteen games on six attempts. Like it's almost at a certain point, it's like this is kind of scary. But I think they have some guys that can get it going. But it's going to be very interesting in that. It's it's a collective group. I don't think it'll be one guy that that turns the tide in that sense. I'm glad you brought up Fournier because part um part of the reason I wasn't super wild about that trade for Boston is he's he's a guy who has who has over his career been pretty poor in the playoffs. Now some of that is you know he's been perhaps exposed as like a spot or three too high on in in the Magic's sort of pecking order. But with Jalen Brown out, he's a spot or three too high in the Celtics pecking order. So I think I think we're gonna see kind of more of the same there. Uh yeah, I, I'm with you. Um what about Brooklyn? Do you guys feel like there are gonna be any chemistry issues? I mean, we didn't see the big three play together all that much, and maybe game one. There's a little bit of, uh, you know, a disconnect and Boston can steal one there. Like Tatum goes nuts and Kemba has a great game. And and all of a sudden, maybe we see some cracks in Brooklyn. Any chance of that whatsoever? I don't think. I mean, always a chance, but I don't, unlikely. I don't I'm, see I'm chemistry. Their off-court chemistry seems perfectly fine to me. You know, it's it's not a situation where that was a concern. Like last year with the Clippers, I was like, yo, their off-court chemistry is not good. Um, this one feels fine. Yeah. I'm, I'm worried a little bit about their on-court chemistry. And the thing about this series that won't challenge them, there's no big man. Like that's the, that's the problem for the Nets that makes things difficult for them. You know, they're, they're not a great rebounding team and things like that. But I don't feel like Boston's going to hurt them that much in that respect. And I think that's uh, – the issue there with with this series. So even if they have a couple of issues, I just don't think their chemistry. I'm not worried about their chemistry yet. I, I think uh, that that yeah, the the encouraging thing for for Brooklyn is how almost seamless it was in the few games they played right after acquiring Harden. Like that, it, it seemed like their three guys sort of fell naturally into roles. Where okay. Kyrie is gonna like look to look to get buckets for the first three quarters. KD is gonna you know f- I don't want to say float around, but gonna you know be opportunistic and find his spots. And Harden for the first you know thirty six forty minutes of the game is is gonna set everybody up, and then you know not have a lot of energies to if he needs to take over down the stretch do so. And that's how they played for the first you know until they started to get the you know the 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 health and safety protocols and all the injuries going that's kind of how they fit together. So um I I'm not super worried about the on court either and frankly like in a series where I don't think Boston has really much equity to win four games, I don't even think losing a game early is the worst thing for Brooklyn just to get them you know but just get them a couple reps. I think that's that that's not a not a bad thing for a team that just hasn't played together a lot, really, with their with the lineups they're going to want to put on the court at important times in later in the playoffs. Well, that leads to a really good question from the chat over on YouTube from Noah. Should Brooklyn use a game of a game or two of this Boston series to experiment? I actually don't think that that's a bad idea. I mean, I know it's the playoffs and this is a professional basketball team, but You've got such a talent gap 
between these two teams that maybe they should try out some of the stuff that they didn't have time to do during the regular season with their three stars. What do you think, Mo? No, I mean, it's something that they're, this is all new for them. It's, it's an experiment as they're going through the playoffs. They've only had eight games together with these three guys. Like it's, there's still things they got to figure out. So, you know, Steve Nash has his work cut out of him, cut out for him. Excuse me, not cut out of him. That would be a little bit awkward. Uh, has his work cut out Goosing for him even in this instance, um, just because I think you know he's got to figure out what's going to work and what's not, and they're going to have to pivot real quickly if something's not working. You don't have the runway that you would have had in the regular season where you could experiment, and you know, so you're going to see some, maybe see some interesting things in this series maybe some interesting lineups and stuff that we might be able to look at going like they're looking ahead to the next series but you also do got to be careful and play the opponent in front of you i mean i think mo said it best is it experimenting or is it just they haven't you know they haven't played their three guys in nick Nick claxton together very much they haven't played their 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 three guys and blake griffin together so much like you know we're gonna we're gonna see lineups where it's like you know Kyrie, kd harden Bruce Brown, Nick Claxton. That's not a group that's played a lot together. Um, but that's that that is gonna be one of their best lineups in the play in you know, moving going down the stretch of of the playoffs, or maybe even going even smaller than that and and having like Joe Harris in for in for Claxton. Like those are lineups that they're going to have to play, and they just haven't had a chance to get to them. So is it experimenting or is it just, you know, it's unusual how little a team as good as they are has had their their kind of full complement of players together. So they're they're forced to throw it together on the fly. This might be more of a bigger picture question for you guys, but given that we've actually seen Brooklyn be able to rise to the occasion in crunch time with their defense, I mean they they've got another gear defensively, and we've seen it. You guys seen enough that you feel like you can trust them for this full playoff run. I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves thinking about the playoffs down the line, but you know, I know the Brooklyn defense has kind of been the one thing that we all point out as being a potential issue in the playoffs. Do you guys still feel that way at this point? Uh, yes, I am so worried about Brooklyn's defense. Um, the biggest thing is, is, is frankly, like we haven't seen enough of, of KD from just a physical standpoint of being able to dial it back up to the defensive heights he hit, you know, especially in his – in his kind of later days in Oklahoma City, where he he was like the best offensive player on the floor, and for big stretches of games, was the best defensive player on the floor too. I don't I don't know if he physically has that anymore. You know, both from his from his age, from coming off the Achilles, from you know being banged up and and you know with a bunch of little things all all season. So that's the biggest question that I think has to be has yet to be answered at all for for Brooklyn uh, defensively. Yeah, yeah I, there's, well, there's still lots we got to figure out for them defensively. And there's still stuff. Again, this goes back to Nash having to figure out what is it. You know, they switch everything right now. Okay, that that might work in this Boston series, but will that work in the next one? They don't know what what's plan B, you know, and I think that's why, you know, their defense is always going to be a concern. And, you know, it's interesting you say like in crunch time, they, they, they tend to show up. We don't know if it's going to show up with those three. Because we've rarely seen those three on the court together in crunch time. The one game that just off the top of my head that comes to to mind was their loss to Washington early in the year in in crunch time, you know, and, and they didn't get enough stops there. The two games against Milwaukee, even though it was out without Harden, 
they couldn't come up with enough stops down the stretch of those games. So, you know, I think those are going to be the, the question marks for them throughout the entire playoffs. Yeah. Uh, all right. Prediction time, guys. Uh, Brooklyn, Boston. I- I'm going to say Brooklyn in a sweep. Maybe if Tatum goes off, they Boston can steal a game. And I'm, I'm bummed out about it because I think this could have been a fun series had they been healthy and, and if Boston had figured out their center rotation. Uh, Seth, who you got? Uh, I mean, I think I'm going to go sell, uh, sorry, not sell, and that's in five because, you know, Tatum will, I think Tatum will probably get a game in, in the same way we said that if Beal was healthy, Tatum is healthy and we've just seen him, you know, get there. So I think they get one, but it's a, it's the uh, proverbial gentleman sweep. Mo? Sweep. I don't think they get a game as even if I think Tatum's going to go off for a game, maybe even go off the entire series, but there's just not much behind them. I don't trust Kemba Walker to be able to bring it for seven game series or, or, or even more than two or three games in a series. This series we I, sweep. All right. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, uh, this might be the biggest series of the first round in the East, guys. And uh, Seth, I know this one strikes a little close to home. But the Bucks and the Heat, a rematch, three and six. The Bucks over at BetMGM are minus two seven five as favorites to win this series. And uh, guys, I am not sure what teams people have been watching this year, but it's pretty obvious to me that a lot of people who are picking the Heat in this series have not watched the Heat or the Bucks. Mo, am I crazy here, or have the Heat just kind of not been good this year? And a, a lot of injuries, but still, even when they've been healthy. There are a lot of stuff to worry about. They've it's not that they've not been good. They've just been very up and down, you know, and there's for several reasons with uh covid injuries, all sorts of different issues throughout the entire regular season. But again, kind of they're sort of playing pretty well right now, peaking a bit. You know, last 15 games even though Hero missed uh and I'm trying to do math in my head, 7 you know, uh, he's shooting 52% and, and, and looks like he's playing well. Dragic getting 13 games out of him in the last 15 has got to be comforting and, and, and confident in that sense. I think this is going to be closer than, than you're giving it credit for, Dave. But I also think in the, the sense of it, too, is the Bucks had a chance to get out of this matchup. You know, they had a chance to really just be like, ah, we're going to rest our guys against Miami that last weekend. They won for it, and I think it's it's more of a sign of like, no, we we want them. We're going after it, and I'm I'm excited to see it. And I think this is going to be a big series for the Bucks. Seth, are, are you? Do you think that this Miami team is the same as 
the one that made the finals run last year. I mean, obviously, personnel-wise, it's different. But I, I would argue, even on the court, the way they play is slightly different. Yeah, I mean, I think that the, the two biggest things is the bubble Dragic is something that got talked about a lot last year. The thing is, is he didn't – the main thing was he just played more. They were kind of saving him. And he just hasn't been nearly as effective at any point this year as he was during the regular season last year. So does he still have that gear to go to? I don't know. And then I think the the switch from Jay Crowder to Trevor Ariza, um, I think that, I mean, they're probably players of similar ability, but I think from just from this matchup standpoint, the fact that, that Crowder is just like stouter than, than Ariza uh, really matters a lot against Milwaukee because Miami doesn't have a lot of guys who can sort of take that first hit from Giannis when he starts to get downhill. And, and, you know, Crowder was just one more that could do it. And, um, you know, I wrote about this with Eric name earlier this week. This is another area where Drew Holiday being more of a threat than Eric Bledsoe really shows up because you could, you could hide someone on Bledsoe last year. Whereas, you know, who is, you're not going to be able to do that on Holiday as much. And that's one more guy who has to, you know, if Jimmy Butler's guarding, you know, Holiday or, or or Chris Middleton, that's one of kind of the two strong guys on Miami that isn't available to stay in Giannis's way. And yeah, and and Miami's not hitting those contested threes like they were doing in the bubble either, Mo. And that was creating so much offense for them because I mean it, it was causing the defense to pick up those shooters even earlier. And I think without that threat, it's it just that the like, how are they going to score? Yeah, I mean, it's going to come down to, are they going to make shots? It's it's basically going to be that situation for them. But I kind of want to go back a little bit, Dave. And the big thing for Miami in the series last year was their ability to walk, build that wall, right, you know, uh, against Giannis. But I think the Bucks have done a good job this year kind of using that dunker spot. And, and you'll see it where guys like Robin Lopez will get to the dunker spot. Excuse me. Wrong team. It'd be really interesting if Robin Lopez got to the dunker spot for the Bucks and not Brooke. But if Brooke Lopez gets to, you know, Brooke will do a good job of getting down there. Even times where it's it's Dante DiVincenzo getting down to the dunker spot, like they do a good job of filling that when teams are walling up on Giannis because then it becomes a situation of that wall crumbles because either a guy goes with him or Giannis makes the pass and that guy has a layup. And I think that's a very that's going to be a very interesting thing to see how Miami deals with that defense in terms of how they're going to score offensively, it's going to come down to, can they get the dribble penetration to get the drive and kick situations? I think teams are more aware of Duncan Robinson this year than last year. They know he's, they got to be locking trail on him coming off pin downs and being into his body and things like that. It'll be interesting to see how much more, how many more open looks he gets in this playoffs compared to last just on that sense of the scouting report being out there on him. And if hero struggles, they're going to, they're going to have issues and, and it's going to just come down to Dragic and Jimmy and bam, making plays. Let's talk about some of the changes that Milwaukee's made this year, Seth. I mean, you know, Mo mentioned getting guys into the dunker spot, which is just, you know, old school, basic basketball. And, and, and it, it seems like it shouldn't be such a big deal for them, but it really is. I mean, they've essentially created a way that, if they're walling up against Giannis, they can still involve him without putting the ball in his hands. And that's kind of what they've been missing in the playoffs the last couple of years. 
Yeah, and again, I think that's another uh, another area where where holidays is is helpful is that uh, you have another guy you can you can give the ball to as you know we have some uh, a, a guest in the background there say hi to Bruce. Um, <laughs> I just want the cat. Uh, I just want the cat to jump on you from yeah. from the harp. That's all. But that's it. <laughs> um, so I think that that's that 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 sort of bit of versatility, even though they're not they don't have quite the depth of talent. They're in their top kind of three, four guys. They have more places where they can kind of start their offense than than they necessarily had a year ago. Um, I want to go back to to Brook Lopez, by the way, because this is going to be an interesting swing part of the series, especially if Miami is going to have Bam Guardianis, which means that a smaller guy is going to be on Brook Lopez. Where does he end up on in the offense if they have a smaller guy on him? That's the thing I'm going to be really interested about. If if they if if even if he's being guarded by Ariza or someone like that, and he's spaced out to the corner, that's a problem. If they see that matchup, and they you know I don't know if the, if he at this point in his career is someone you just stick on the block and stick his hand up and throw him the ball and go to work. But if he you know rolls to the basket to either offensive rebound or a quick duck in or something like that, like that's what I'm looking for them them to do to do really you know exploit the fact that yeah he can shoot but he's also a very nimble seven foot 200 and what do we call it 75 and use that bulk to their advantage play some bully ball yeah and yeah i mean i'm with you and i would go for those post-ups when he's got the mismatch because he's he's good there yeah yeah and i think you know the the just while you were talking pulled up his synergy numbers and lopez's post-ups you know it's 0.99 points per possession on a post-up not a lot very 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 small sample size and it being just 90 post-ups but i think that's something that can happen but i think that's also where we haven't really even talked about it that's where pj tucker comes into play too you know and and then it's okay we're gonna put pj out there and if they're gonna put if they're gonna have trevor ariza flow in off of both of those guys in the corner go have them set a screen you know what I mean? Just have them go get in the action and make it so that Ariza can't float or, or whoever they want to hide on on those guys. I think that's going to be the the things we got to watch for in that series. What is how do they how do the Heat defend that and how does the Bucks counter that? And of course, now when we get to counters, comes to the big question: well, Is will Bud counter? Well, here's a question that I think we could take as a counter from Adam Goatmuller in the uh, YouTube chat. Can the Bucks play Giannis at the five against the Heat? I, I think, you know, certainly we should expect to see plenty of Giannis at the five against the Heat. That just makes sense. Um, but the lineups that they can run out there, they don't they don't really drop off defensively. I mean, you know, you have PJ Tucker and Dante DiVincenzo with the Milwaukee big three. And that's still a really good defensive lineup, especially with Giannis at the five, and it just makes him a little bit more flexible to me. What about you guys? What do you? How do you feel about it? I don't think Bam is a particularly t- bad matchup for Giannis as a five. Um, like for he, he's a wonderful range of talents, but he's he is his biggest lack, I guess, is his ability to just take the ball and score in a, like an isolation or a post-up situation. So the, the worry, one of the big worries about like Giannis at the five is foul trouble. And I, I don't think Bam is quite the matchup now, you know, looking ahead to, you know, a, a later series, like would I want to spend a lot of time with Giannis guarding Joel Embiid? No, but like, I don't think, I don't, I don't think the matchup is, is as dangerous with Bam as it would be for, from some other teams. 
Yeah, it, it would know? be interesting. I don't. I'm. I'm not as worried. You know, in that sense. And, yeah. And, yeah. You know, everything Seth said. I mean, he took everything. The, you know, there's nothing else he left to much, say. Like, much, he gave you know, me no meat on what the he bone. Does. So thanks, Seth. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami but it's not just about the player interviews every Monday I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler we dive deep into topics like rookie reports trade breakdowns and why is mean mugging now a tech the Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Um, okay, I guess we're we're at prediction time here for this series. And uh, guys, I, I have strong feelings about this series. Um, I, I think the Bucs uh, have been slept on all year. I think Giannis has been completely overlooked all year. I think the Bucs are better than their record. I think they're the best team in the East. I'm taking them in five in this series. Okay. Fellas. I like that. I'm going to honor. No, I just like that they didn't really go all the way. If you were really gutsy, you'd call for the sweep. If you were really that brave. Listen, I have too much respect for the Miami (laughs) Heat and Jimmy Butler in particular to pick a sweep. Uh, but I do think that Milwaukee, there, there's a talent gap. Milwaukee has it. <laughs> but not so much respect that you think they're going to win more than one yeah, game. Right. So just oh, that's no. The- and I wouldn't pay, by the way, I wouldn't pay no damn $20 for any coffee. I don't care where it's from. So, you know, Shots. keep that coffee. Oh, boy. Okay. Oh, boy. All right, guys. Who you got? I know you got the Bucks. Well, I, I, I've I'm, been on the Bucks bandwagon all year. And, and every time Dave brings up, oh, we've slept on them. I said, I haven't slept on them. They've done exactly <laughs> what I've asked for them. Diversify, change things up, mix it up in the regular season, see what they can do. I'm going bucks and six. I, I do think Miami is going to get two wins. I think it's going to be a tight series, but I think ultimately the bucks are out for revenge. And and I've seen teams in that instance do that, go after it. And I'm, I'm excited for this one. All right, Seth. No it's, pressure here. No, it's 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 a Brendan Jennings series. It's uh, Bucks and Six. All right, hell yeah, easy money. All right, guys. Um, the last series in our in our preview here is the four five matchup, and you know at least one of these teams we didn't really see coming. I, I think safe to say we've all been kind of shocked by the Knicks. Um, this was a fantastic season for them. We talked about Tom Thibodeau when they hired him, and we worried. Hey, is he the right guy for the job? And I still would say our points where we we didn't come to a conclusion there, but the points we made about 
you know, you've got to choose a path when you have a young team. Um, they've chosen a path and they made the damn playoffs. So good for them. Uh, the Hawks, they, they made a huge splash in free agency. They got all this talent. They suffered through big time injuries all season, but now they're healthy and they're playing their best basketball since Nate McMillan took over. Uh, this is the toughest series for me to pick because I go into this and I mean, I have loved this Knicks team this year. Just love to watch them. But the Hawks are really good, and that offense is super combustible. So, uh, Bet uh, Bet MGM has the Hawks at plus one hundred in the series, and the Knicks are minus one twenty. Or maybe I did that backwards. No, it sounds I'm right. Not sure. I hope not. It sounds okay. right. Yeah. Uh, you gave me a face, and you always make me. No, I, no. I, I was just you know, like it I was, was like, more <laughs> at the numbers. I, I just like to make the yeah, face that yeah. you gave to it's make pretty you close. worry for random yeah. things. Well, I, I so like I guess the Knicks my first question. Anyway. My first question for you guys. Is this series as close as it appears on paper? I mean, it's a four-five matchup, and if you if you're just judging by success this season, you could say, okay, yeah, sure. But I just don't know. I mean, the Knicks won the series against the Hawks this year. I mean, Julius Randle was destroyed the Hawks this year, but I just don't know if the Knicks can score enough to hang with Atlanta. That's my biggest concern for them in this series. What about you, Mike? I don't think the the Hawks can deal with the Knicks' defense. You know, I think that's kind of the issue. You don't think the Knicks can score enough. I don't think the Hawks are going to get enough points. You give Tibbs a week to start preparing for, for Trey Young and uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich and all of that, like, he's going to come up with some stuff, and it's the playoffs. So I don't know if Trey's going to get the calls that he gets – all the time, and and here's the other thing, because this is what ma- this is what makes the series so difficult to call. Though they're both young, right? Like I'm a big believer in experience. They're both young. This is Julius Randle's first time in the playoffs. This is uh, R.J. Barrett's first run in the playoffs for the Hawks. Trey Young, Bogdanovich, John Collins, first time in the playoffs. They have a little more. Got vets on there. Clint Capella has been in. Lou Williams, Danilo Gallinari, Gallinari. Sorry, uh, I think there there's there's an element there where they're going to have a little bit more. But I just I kind of just go with the Knicks just because I trust Tibbs is going to turn this up and the Madison Square Garden is going to be rocking with fifteen thousand fans. Like they're going to be rolling. This is going to be a whole different atmosphere. This is going to be. The, the the biggest game for the Hawks game one just because they haven't experienced even a crowd like this. Yeah, I got I got to say, I mean, if we're talking about like relevant playoff experience, like I I kind of think that in terms of being in those games and being productive, I think Derrick Rose and Taj Gibson have have the edge there. Like I don't think you know the the guys you mentioned from the Hawks, you know, Gallinari, Lou Williams, especially, are not exactly noted. Um, high-level playoff performers relative to the regular season. Uh, whereas, you know, certainly a guy like a, a more lunch pail guy like Todd Gibson is someone who who has, you know, been been effective, you know, relative to the regular season in the playoffs. So I, I even think that is not a huge edge. I mean, like as you say, neither team has a lot of experience. But to that extent, I do think it is, it, it is you know, slight advantage next. I, uh, I tend to agree with you there. Uh, and I, I I like the Knicks a lot. I think that defense usually carries over into the playoffs and offense sometimes can escape you, right? Especially role players like shooting and, and things of that nature when you get on the road. But man, I, I just think the playmaking that the Hawks have are 
it's going to matter a lot. Uh, Bogdan has been great next to Trey Young. They got DeAndre Hunter back. Clint Capella has been, I mean, I mean he's not all NBA, but I mean, he, he his numbers are certainly would have been all NBA in other years. I mean, he's he's been fantastic this season. His defense has been awesome. And I, I wonder if Atlanta is just playing better basketball right now and, and if that can't carry them through this series. Because I think from a talent perspective, it's, it's, it's in Atlanta's favor. Knicks have played better overall all year, but is Atlanta just – are they just playing their best basketball at the right time? I don't – I mean, that's the name of the game, right, Seth? I No. <laughs> no, I mean this year. This year is maybe it, it because the season's so weird. But no, the 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 momentum into the playoffs thing is not a thing. I Does mean, it matter? It's you. Generally speaking, again, this season is weird because of all the absences and the compressed schedule and and you know teams making deals and. But in general, I mean, I think it's been demonstrated that the first twenty games of a season is more predictive of the playoffs than the last twenty games. So. The Hawks coming in, you know, the Hawks coming in healthier than they have been in a little bit, maybe maybe matters some. But in terms of there being momentum, I'm not a I'm not a big believer in that. Um, I think that that like really the the, the swing part of the series, we've kind of danced around it, has been, uh, you know, game to game, what kind of whistle we're getting. And I'm not saying it's going to favor one team or another, but uh, at least not explicitly. But the more physical contact that's allowed. It's pro Knicks. Like if the game is if if the game is allowed to be a grind, that's a huge advantage Knicks. If it's touch fouls, that's an advantage Hawks. My guess is, well, I think, and I and I think we've seen this. This is another thing where though we're having fans back is going to help the Knicks because we're we aren't going to get those touch whistles. Well, I I think it's going to go back and forth. I think throughout the series. I think that's you're just going to get, and it happens in the playoffs. It's it's well, sometimes the refs feel like okay, you know maybe when you go through the situation and the teams complain after game one and send their clips in of this before was before game one in this case. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, we, <laughs> yeah, we, we've already been complaining. I, by the way, coach of the year stuff, right yeah, there. Yeah, like, like, I just got to say that is excellent. I, I, mean, I love it. Like, let's let's get that narrative established that's now. That's Pat Riley, uh, uh, Phil Jackson, uh, kind of stuff. And, 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 and hey, I'm going to take the fine before we even start. But I, I, I think he did it too early. Actually, I think it, if if like that had come out like yesterday or today, I think it kind of got. Now that we've had the playing games that kind of got forgotten a little bit. Yeah. I also, though, think that what he was saying is fairly benign. Like, yeah, you should want the, the team in the biggest you know city on the planet to to be in the playoffs. That's not a hot take. Well, no, it's but and we're not going to get any calls because yeah, of it. That that's was, the that's the now that's, that's like, the, OK, that's, that's right. that's, hey, okay. hey, hey, Adam Silver, find <laughs> me just, right now. Just tell me find how me. much now he should yeah, actually request, I have the checkbook out. He, he should ask, actually, yeah. like, I'm going to say this pretty much after every post game conference. So can you just give me the full <laughs> How much? I'm just going to pay it yeah. right now, so we know kind of deal. Do it as one but, check. Well, they, no, that's wasn't it. Rasheed Wallace, who there was going to be like the, the the game by game fine for not like the dress codes. Oh, how much for the season? Okay, yeah. Yeah. like I think that's Nate McMillan before this series. But I think the whistles is going to matter. But I also think there's just a few things on the court too. And I, I want to get back to your point, Dave, about the, yeah, yeah. the end of the season and coming in hot. Coming in hot is good for you in terms of just having a good vibe and feeling good about everything. But it's it's so different with now they've they've game planned, you know, and this is 
a very kind of underrated point. This is the most time teams, you know, three through six have had to be able to game plan for a playoff opponent, you know, and, and this is the, the opportunity to really walk through things and go through details and stuff like that. And so they, everybody played their last game on Sunday and some of these teams have gone, are going to be playing their first game since on Saturday. I think there's going to be uh, even a little bit of a drop-off in that from the Hawks, and then they're going to be going up against somebody that's fully scouted them. You know, the regular season can be a bit misleading because it's game to game. We don't, who were their opponents in the last 20 games? How many of those guys were coming off of a second night off a of back-to-back? How many times are five and seven nights kind of deal? So I think that all plays into it. It's nice. You want the wins, but it doesn't really kind of make me feel like, oh, this is the hottest team. They're going to come in and they can easily drop game one. To that well, point, especially because the Knicks can defend. Yeah, right. To that point, by the way, the the in going backwards from last game earlier, the the Hawks' last couple opponents: Houston, Orlando, Washington, Washington, Indiana, Phoenix, Portland, Chicago. So I just not- hear some playoff teams in there, though. <laughs> I mean, there, there there were some. No, there were some, and that's fine. And that's yeah. and, and 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 that's yeah. fine. And they and everybody was playing for stuff. Some teams trying to play for the lottery, but it, it's a the the. The whole thing, though, just game to game, it's different, you know, and this is what we always talk about. Playoff basketball, drastically different than than regular season basketball because of the game to game planning. And let me just ask you guys this. Who do you trust to make adjustments game to game more, Nate McMillan or or Tom Thibodeau? Neither guy is really amazing at it, but I think I trust Tom Thibodeau. I, I think that that in terms of of prepping that defense for, let's put it this way: I don't think the Knicks are gonna get are gonna let Trey Young like reject. You know, one of his pet moves is like right to left crossover rejecting a, a screen. Like every like everyone who's who is gonna guard Trey is gonna be well drilled that that's gonna happen. So they're not gonna get like, oh yeah, that's his move more than about once. So and and there's little going to be little things like that all over the court where I think that the Knicks are going to be really well prepared for. And to just kind of point out to to piggyback off Seth's point, I guarantee you everybody who's going to end up guarding Trey Young has an edit of that. Uh, of, of of maybe not every time Trey Young's done it, but damn near. Well, that'd be a long edit. Damn near a lot of them, <laughs> you know, and and, and to show yeah, it would, and reinforce it, you know. So I think that's just the the this is part of the game planning, and I think that's. That's what we're going to see with the Knicks. And I, right, well, I, I do think. Go ahead. Uh, just to, and and I think that you know, Randall is almost harder to game plan for just because so much of his like what he's done this year has been like with like what do you do with that? Like he's just like these right. these these crazy contested step back jumpers. Like it's a shot we want. Oh. We wanted him to take that shot, and he just he just banged it on us. And and you know Trey has some of that, but I think just by virtue of of you know pure size of nothing else, like that's not something you can necessarily really game plan for against Randall in quite the same way as you can like a guy who is operating out of pick and roll a lot more. But this but this is where it gets interesting for Randall in this sense too, because of it being different for the playoffs. He's going to see more double teams. Teams are going to have game planned literally for him in a different way. 
And I think that's something that's going to be interesting for him. He's not, he's been okay out of double teams, but not great. He tends to be more turnover prone when they send a second man. And, you know, how he attacks and how the Knicks offense operates off of that is going to be different. And he, that is their offense. Go to Julius Randle and let him kind of make everything happen. And I think that will be a very interesting thing for watching in Julius Randle's first playoff run him experiencing like, oh, I'm actually getting the star kind of treatment in this situation now. This is completely different. Yeah. Uh, well, it feels like we we all kind of think this is going to be a close-ish series. Um, I think it's going to go seven, and I'm taking the Knicks because I trust the defense to come up, you know, when it matters. Uh, what about you guys? I I think Knicks, I'm trying to decide between – five or six and I, I I I'm leaning five I think they'll be close games but I think the Knicks end up winning it close like they closed out in MSG in in five I think it's going to be six very tight games I think it's going to be really close um and and might even just come down to a couple of uh tough plays at at, at the end of the stretch of for in, in every one of these games but I'm going Knicks and six yeah. Uh, all right. Well, this is the end of the show and normally where we're looking ahead and uh, hey, we're looking ahead to November because Seth's book, The Midrange Theory, hits bookstores November 2021, uh, already available for pre-order anywhere that you buy books, hopefully an independent bookseller. Um, Seth, what do you got to say about it? How does it feel to have your book in pre-order? We're, we're pumped. I'm very proud of you. Um, I just, uh, the, the, uh, the, the couple of weeks since I, I finished the, the bulk of the writing of it, I, I seem to be much more relaxed. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad for that. A little and bit. <laughs> and then I'm, I, then I'm, I'm just excited for, for it to, to come out and for people to, um, you know, join the conversation. I think a lot of what I, what I wrote about is trying to explain from an, at least an analytic perspective, how the game has developed to get where we are. I mean, obviously it's the, the mid range theory is, is the, the title of the book is one of the chapters talking about the three point revolution and kind of what has happened and why the game has changed both from a, you know, a three is greater than two standpoint, but also kind of the rule changes and the development and the skills of players, especially big men that have, uh, that have kind of led to the game where it is today. And, and hopefully that, uh, can clear up some misconceptions and, and, and improve the level of the discourse around those kind of things. You're muted. We almost made Fantastic. it the whole That's episode. The first time I've done that. We almost made it the whole live episode it. without anybody screwing that up. And you did. And it. of all the people, of all the people to screw up, it had to be me. Uh, well, that's it. Uh, congratulations, Seth, on the book coming out. Uh, really, really pumped and can't wait to read it. I already read that one chapter and uh, it was fantastic. So uh, everybody go pre-order that book now. Thanks for joining us if you were on the live stream. If you weren't and you're just listening to the audio, thanks for listening. Uh, try to catch us on the live stream next time. It's a lot of fun. For Seth and for Mo, I'm Dave. This has been the Athletic NBA Show. This has been Nerdishy Road. You guys have a good weekend and enjoy the playoffs. <laughs>